Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. One man. Goodbye. Hello, Heisman. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in to the Three Technique, a college football podcast at the intersection of the X's and O's and the Jimmies and the Joes. I'm Trey Reeves, and I'm joined tonight by Garrett Turney and Mitch Mason. Mitch, holding it down from a little bit different location tonight. Garrett, as always, holding it down over on the other side of the Metroplex. Fellas, y'all got to talk about a lot of teams last time. Before I get it over to you, I just want to defend my honor on the Butch Jones Arkansas State Red Wolves because <laughs> I got clowned just a little bit. It's okay. I wasn't there to defend myself. Um, my voice sounded like a prepubescent teen last <laughs> last week when we Oof. were supposed to record that. Didn't want you guys to have to suffer through that like I was. But Arkansas State, man, they they could win some games this year. They have a really weak schedule. James Blackman at quarterback. That's all I'll say. They they just want to give them some hope. Yeah, I guess. Athletes. They've got athletes. They they just need to put it together. Um, so yeah, and, and you mentioned their schedule, not the most intimidating thing out there. So there's no doubt there's some potential there. Uh, I just like, you know, giving Butch Jones a hard time anytime we can oh, absolutely did to Tennessee. So giving Butch Jones a hard time should be the national pastime. It's just yeah, so I mean, fun. Yeah, and he's done a lot to deserve it. He did go to that Nick Saban coaching rehab clinic, so maybe maybe he'll get his career back on track. Two and ten, not a great start up in Jonesboro, <laughs> but hey, there's I, I like what Andy Staples said this week. In the era of transfers, in the era of just where we're at in college football right now, there's no teams that don't have hope going into a season. There's always someone that you can point to. Maybe it's a transfer. Maybe it's a new recruit. Maybe it's someone that popped in spring practice that you weren't expecting, but especially with the transfer portal as wide open as it is, every team, all 130 teams, I think could point to at least something that they're hoping for for improvement this year. Maybe not as big as some other teams, but there's something to hope in for a lot of them. But um, we have enjoyed breaking down these previews for you guys. We are coming into our final one before we get into actual football. We're done with talking season. After this episode, we'll have some predictions next week, but tonight we're closing out the previews with BYU, the Mountain West, and Conference USA, and then Mitch has a special episode that will drop tomorrow when you guys are hearing this um, with some guests that are going to break down the Maction. So, guys, when you look over the teams that we're talking about tonight, is there anybody that stands out to you, anything that you noticed in your prep that makes you more excited for this group of teams? I mean, I noticed that the Mountain West Conference is not very fun to break down. There's a couple of fun teams to talk about, and hater. also Rans. Hater, just absolutely a hater. A hater. Just hating the Mountain West. So sorry, Mountain West. All you know, what six or seven hundred of your fans can come argue with me, but you know that's that's fine. You've got some. You got some good teams. You got some really good squads, but you also have some pretty bad squads. <laughs> Listen, yeah, it's true. It's it's true. I think there's a there's fewer contenders over in the Mountain West than maybe even in, in Conference USA. We'll see. Um, I'm really excited to see who who kind of reclaims the top of Conference USA in this last season before it, it kind of gets blown up. Um, UTSA, UAB, Western Kentucky. 
maybe Rice can do something fun. UTEP has a really good chance at, at guys. I mean, don't look now. Eight nine wins could be on the cards for UTEP. So I think there's some fun storylines in Kusa uh, in its last year of of what we truly know it as. Uh, so maybe a farewell tour over in Conference USA. That might be something that we have to just keep track of. The, the farewell tour of Conference USA. The swan song, if you That's will, right. of Conference yes. USA. So all of that and more on tonight's episode. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button on your podcast of choice. Make sure you leave us a five-star review. That really helps us out more than you could ever know. And on social media, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at 3TechPod on both of those platforms. We love churning out content for you guys. And as the season and actual games get closer, there's going to be way more opportunities for interaction. Stay tuned for that. We have some big ideas on how you guys can get involved. Maybe compete with other listeners on a pick Just teasing that a little bit. But we have a lot of fun things in store as the season kicks off. But fellas... Without further ado, let's jump into the teams. I'm going to kick us off tonight with our other big independent team, uh, the BYU Cougars. And I'm just going to start us off with this. You guys are on the wrong hype train for a team from Utah. Impossible. You guys, we've talked a lot about Utah, obviously. We don't need to rehash (laughs) that, but... Let's talk about their rivals across the Holy War, which is unfortunately not being played this year, but let's talk about the BYU Cougars. Um, Kalani Sataki, he had his breakthrough a couple years ago with Zach Wilson at quarterback. Going back through their page on football reference or sports reference, I was really surprised and I didn't really remember that they had a lot of seven and six, eight and four type of seasons to kick off his tenure there. And it really broke through with Zach Wilson a couple years ago. And they kept it going. Many, including me, thought they would take a step back in 2021. They weren't as elite as they were from a metric standpoint, but they still won 10 games. Uh, they won a Pac-12 title by going 5-0 and against the league. And they have one final year as an independent this year before they move into the Power 5, into the Big 12. And guys, they're scheduling like they want to make a splash in this last year as an independent. I think they have the talent to make a run hopefully to a new year's six bowl and uh if they can cut, pull off a couple big wins who knows what else the schedule is there for them to make a run but jaron hall is going to be the guy that decides whether or not that run happens he's the quarterback coming back from last year he put up some really good numbers missed some time with some injuries he did end up missing three total games last year including the bowl but threw for like 2700 yards 20 touchdowns only five picks he can be a difference maker. He can also run the ball a little bit. But the biggest question mark on offense is replacing Tyler Algier. He was their all-everything running back for the last, gosh, it seems like forever. Um, almost 3,000 yards on the ground in his career. They've got a four-man battle to win that job to replace him. Other than that, though, offensively and defensively, they're bringing everybody back from last year. So um, crazy stat that I'll get to in just a second. They return... 205 starts on offense and even more than that on defense when you come across all the position players the only spot that they're missing is finding that replacement for Algier top two receivers are back in Puka Nukua and Gunnar Romney Romney missed some time last year and that probably limited their um, explosiveness on offense a little bit especially with him making problems out of the slot they've got a couple freshmen coming in that have been turning heads at spring ball Isaac Rex is a guy that could cause a lot of problems at tight end if he's back and ready to go from a leg injury. And four of the five starters are back on the offensive line. They're bringing back 109 career starts on the offensive line. Um, Tons and tons of returning production on this team. And as we know with BYU, a lot of these players are older, right? Just because of the situation they have coming into school. Um, They have some older guys on their team, some grown men in the trenches a lot of times. But um, over on the defensive side of the ball, same story. They're returning 209 starts, 95% of tackles, 93% of tackles for loss, 87% of sacks, and 100% of interceptions. Hat tip to the athletic for all of those numbers. The problem was last year, that experience that they're bringing back didn't really translate into elite numbers right they were 72nd in pass defense 73rd in rush defense average that out to 74th in total defense and 51st in scoring 
solidly mediocre. Not the worst of the worst, but definitely you want that to be better. Stats don't really tell the whole story. At the beginning of the year, they were shutting teams down, shutting Power 5 and Pac-12 teams down. As the year drug on, though, they just really ran out of gas. They got the injury bug on defense. They were relying on third and fourth stringers that just weren't quite ready to play. And that resulted in them really decreasing in their production on defense. The first five or first six games of the year before they played Baylor, they were only giving up 20.5 points a game. From Baylor on, when they played FBS opponents, 30.83. So literally two possessions, touchdown and a field goal, more that they're giving up per game that their offense is having to make up for. There, there's a lot of te- guys back. They need them to get healthy. They need them to stay healthy this year. But, man, they have the dudes, I think. And all of the guys are back. They're all experienced. Tyler Beatty's looking like a guy up front that can cause a lot of problems. They bring back all of their linebackers, all of their secondary. So, I don't know. The, the vibes are getting pretty high in Provo. And as you look at their floor and ceiling, the over-under is 8.5. I think that's definitely on the low end of what I would expect for them on a normal season. But the schedule, man, it's just going to make or break them this year. Uh, not a true danger zone, I know, uh, as we get into that. But they play four teams ranked in the top 20 of the APCP preseason poll. They've got Baylor in Week 2, at Oregon Week 3. And then they play the other two back-to-back as well, Notre Dame in Vegas week six and Arkansas week seven. So I'm hoping personally they can find a way to go two and two in those. I think they can do that, especially with all the experience they have. But if they split that, I think you're looking solidly at 10 wins again. If they're 3-0 and coming out of that um, Oregon game in week three, look out. They're going to be getting a lot of playoff hype, and those games against Notre Dame and Arkansas are going to just be – blown out way out of proportion you you listened to the the last episode that we did when uh garrett previewed notre dame from from where you sit right now your gut does byu beat notre dame in vegas i think they do i I think neutral fields that shamrock series is you know usually played closer to home for notre dame i feel like it's either Notre Dame has fans everywhere, obviously, and there's their fans are going to travel to a destination like Vegas, but that's really close to BYU, and it's you know a game that they, if you look at their schedule, they have a lot of time to ramp up. They play at Oregon, like I said, week three, but then they have Wyoming and Utah State back to back before that Notre Dame game. I'm pulling up Notre Dame's schedule right now. They have a bye week, but they definitely have more games before that that they need to worry about so oh yeah i don't know i i gut feeling something about that game just screams that byu is gonna win that one to me if they go if they start one and two then i'll take that back but i think they win at least one of those baylor and oregon games and that gives them enough momentum going into notre dame to pull off an upset my question kind of a little bit less related to the schedule because i think the schedule sets up Nice in terms of the layout, but obviously some tough teams that they got to play. How explosive do we really expect the offense to be, right? Like, there's there were certainly flashes, but, you know, losing Algier is not a joke, right? He was a stud for them. Um, you know, Jaron Hall's good, but, you know, we're, we're not, again, we're not talking about Zach Wilson. You know, we're, we're talking about a guy who maybe is a little bit less explosive than that how explosive do we really expect them to be this year? Because I'm thinking, okay, if you're going to be going, you know, if you're having to play Arkansas, having to play Notre Dame in Vegas, right. You're going to have to have guys that can keep up. Right. Yeah. And that's a fair, that's a fair question. I think they've definitely evolved into more of an explosive having components of that up-tempo offense recently, especially when you think back to the Zach Wilson year, but Yeah, that's a big concern, right? Like, and they they're not known for being big play, flashy offense. And if a team gets out in front of them, like you know, Bo Nix could go berserk week three, sure. and they put up a ton of points, and then BYU's just playing from behind all game. And right. that's not how they win, right? They're gonna win with a complementary offense that runs the ball really, really well, sets up play action with a quarterback that's making plays with his legs as well. And if they're not able to do that, then yeah, they're in trouble. But 
I mean, I, I think you're underselling Hall just a little bit. Like he he's overshadowed by Wilson and his production. He wasn't as good as Wilson last year. He was hurt sometimes. When he was on, once he got adjusted, he was thrown for 350, almost 400 yards routinely. So the talent's there to me, but can they hold up through that difficult of a schedule? I don't know that BYU has ever played that difficult of a schedule, at least in their modern era, but if they can, if they can hold through it, if they can go two and two, even three and one in those games, I like that they get Baylor and Arkansas at home as well. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's a help. Yeah, a weird body clock game for the Razorbacks and Bears most likely. So, right. Anything can happen. I don't and know. And some altitude as well. So, yeah, altitude, absolutely. My, my biggest takeaway from that entire preview, you left possibility for Bo Nix and Explosive to be used in the same <laughs> team, which would be a college football first. Listen, he jumps up and gets somebody he's not supposed to every single year. That's just what he does. That's going to be a must-win game for Oregon after they start with Georgia. So it's at, it's at Autzen as well. So I, I don't know. If I'm picking them – most likely if i was going to rank those four games from most likely to win to most likely to use lose for byu i think i would go arkansas baylor notre dame Oregon. Ooh, wow that's I hot like man. That. I'd, I'd put notre dame at the end of that I, I don't see a way they're beating notre dame now vegas makes everything different anything can happen in vegas but absolutely you know just i i don't know man i don't know Get your Peacock subscriptions ready. That I'm seeing that that game. Get them ready. So, well, from uh, Provo, Utah, one of the most beautiful campuses and football settings in the world. To uh, we're staying in that part of the country. Garrett, run us through the Mountain West and just give us some quick hitters for the front runners there. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, Mountain West guys, we've got three of them, and y'all feel free to hop in and share your thoughts as we go through this. Um, the three that I expect to be the front runners are going to be Boise State, Fresno State, and then Air Force. I think uh, I was debating whether or not to put Air Force in this group, but I think that they deserve it. And we'll talk oh, about that in a second. Yeah, you Air Force. To, you yeah, I, I love the country, so I'm not going to put the Air Force Academy not in my top tier. Um, so chatting about Boise for a second, um, it kind of seems like this team's the premier team in the conference every year, but the last couple of years, not exactly what they've wanted, right? Not exactly that elite level that they're used to. Um, and it's just sort of seems like they're trying to figure out how to get back on top. Last year, they finished 12th in scoring defense, but they did struggle to be physical up front and stop the run. So that's going to be a big point that they're going to have to work on this year is being able to get up in the trenches, be physical, not get pushed around. Um, and be able to succeed on that front. Uh, Hank Bachmeyer, he's going to be the guy that's going to be the key to this team succeeding. Quarterback needs to take the next step. He's been there for a while, hasn't quite put it all together. He's definitely shown flashes, but just hasn't been able to put it together yet. Um, going to be tough for him. They're losing probably their best player on offense in Khalil Shakir. He was kind of a utility guy. They put him all over the field, uh, threat to score from anywhere on the field, really. They are replacing him with uh, Stefan Cobbs. He is looking for a breakout year. Um, a lot of people excited about what he can do. I believe he's a senior coming back, so they think that he is ready to kind of step up into that role. Um, there is some great talent at the sort of skill positions, but there's some injury concerns as well, specifically at running back with George Holoni, or Holani, I think is how you say it. Um, but he, he's been injured on and off. Uh, I think he was injured for like something like three or four games, but he also finished the year with 300 yard games in the last month. So he's got the talent. It's just stay on the field so you can actually play um, all their sack production returns on defense. But the, again, a lot of concerns in the linebacker room, especially athletically and being able to get up in the holes, plug holes and be physical up front. They're loaded on the back end. They're bringing back almost all their DBs. Uh, ultimately, they just, they're going to have to do a much better job physically stopping the run. That's going to be the way that this team gets held back. Um, you know, I think this team probably ends up somewhere around the 9 or 10 win range. Um, and I think that they probably end up in the conference championship game. Um, but that, I think, has more to do with the strength of the Mountain West than it does them being just an absolute dominant team. I love a good quarterback named Hank. That's that's all I've got to add about Boise State. <laughs> well, and, and I was going to say, they, they've got to take care of Hank. Uh, last season, according to my very quick Google, 
They gave up 28 sacks, uh, lost almost 300 yards on those 28 sacks. And some of those hits were aggressive, to say the least. Bachmeyer struggled with injuries his entire career. It's not just being maybe more injury prone. Uh, he's He's been hung out to dry by his offensive line. So if if Boise's truly going to be the top of uh, of the contenders there for, for the Mountain West, that offensive line has got to take care of their signal caller. And they are bringing back enough on the offensive line, right? I think they're bringing back three guys, including both their tackles. So um, that's going to be big for them. Um, and I think looking at the schedule, they have Oregon State on the road to start. So that's going to be a bit of a tricky start game for them. But if they can get past that one, it's at New Mexico, UT Martin, UTEP on the road. So there's there's some games that you can see winning there before they get into you know the beef of the conference schedule. Um, they do play BYU. That's tough. But um, yeah, just going to be something that they have to look out for. Um, looking at Fresno State, um, let's look at them. Uh, this offense is probably one of the best ones on the West Coast. Uh, Jake Hayner running the show. He, he had some portal drama. There was some issues with maybe thinking he might not come back. Um, you know, coach leaves. He's thinking about maybe following him, maybe going somewhere else on the coast. Ends up coming back. Uh, but he was the first passer at Fresno State to eclipse 4,000 yards since Derek Carr did it. Uh, and he did it on 67%. So um, lots to be hopeful for there from the signal caller. And then the other big thing is both primary receivers are back. You have Jalen Cropper, Josh Kelly. They combined for 1,500 yards and 14 touchdowns last year. Loads of production coming back. This pass offense finished ninth in yardage in the whole country last year. Uh, they should be able to repeat that success this year. Uh, the defense is returning its top four leading tacklers, most of its big play guys. Uh, there's still plenty of experience on the squad. They finished really well last year. They are, uh, they finished 20th in scoring, 24th in rushing, so a good enough squad. They did struggle a bit covering the passes, um, so they will have to improve there, but they do enough well on the back end. They do bring back enough experience there. Um, this team should be primed for a good year. They do have a pretty tricky out-of-conference, and they do also go on the road to Boise, um they also do i guess it's oregon state and usc on the schedule um and so again they could start this year you know maybe two and three with the way that their schedule starts and then still end up winning the conference and they've got a new coach this year too that could that, that they're losing a really good coach right so that, that's always tough to recover from too right jake hayner nearly going back to washington would have been massive for the Huskies. And not that I was rooting for that necessarily, but um, he's he's electric. He's the best quarterback in the conference. I think he would have been, he might've been the best pure passer in the conference had he gone to the Pac-12. Uh, so this kid's got legit upside. Thankfully, even with the staff change, he's extremely familiar with this staff. He's, he's played under everybody on this staff already. I love Fresno State. I think that this is this they would be my pick to win the conference. I just think in a league that's so dominated by what you do with your pass rush defensively and how well your quarterback plays, give give me Fresno State. Give me the Bulldogs. Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm kind of in the same place as you, just kind of spoiler here. But yeah, my conference championship game includes these two teams. It's Boise State, it's Fresno State. And I think I have Fresno State winning this one. I just I think they're the better team. The big issue for me is the gaps on Boise's defense, right? It's just the gaps on Boise's defense, um, a little bit of the inconsistency at the quarterback, right? I just think they have such a massive advantage on offense when it comes to what Fresno State brings back. Um, if someone's going to make any noise, though, to disrupt that party, it's going to be Air Force. Um, look, this team had the number one rushing offense in the year in the whole country last year. They had 327 yards per game. This team can flat out run it down your throat. They can get up there, be physical. Um, now, I know what you're going to say. Part of that is because they don't throw the football. They just don't. They finished 128th in the country with 97 yards per game. That's not a good uh, passing. I'm surprised pass. it's that high, to be it's, honest. Honestly, yeah, I didn't know they were that close to the century mark. Um, Hazik Daniels, he's a three-year starter at quarterback. He's coming back to continue to, again, run the football. Um, the big concern here, obviously, is that they can be one-dimensional. So if a defense figures it out, a lot of their conference opponents don't, but if a defense can figure it out, they can get shut down pretty quick. Um, they're also bringing back a lot on their defense. They're bringing back a bunch of their starters. They finished 16th in scoring, 9th against the run, 19th against the pass. 
this is a really salty crew who I think has an actual opportunity to take advantage of some weaknesses among the conference. Um, you know, we talked about kind of the weaknesses for Boise stopping the run. I think this is going to be a place where they could kind of abuse some of that, uh, maybe play some spoiler there. Um, and look, I mean, this is the kind of team that they could slow down Fresno enough to where, you know, that doesn't necessarily matter. Now, I told you all the spoiler was I don't think that they end up in the conference championship game, but it wouldn't shock me at all to see this squad make it in, especially because they play Colorado in the out of conference. They get Boise at home in late October and they miss Fresno in the regular season. So this could be a promising season with a kind of, you know, advantageous schedule for them. Yeah. Troy Calhoun has really quietly built a really solid program up there in Colorado Springs. And a good job. People forget to the last two years that they have, it hasn't been a COVID shortened year. They've won at least 10 games. So I don't see that any reason for that stopping. Obviously, service academies are prone to having a off year every now and then. We've seen that with Navy the last couple of years. But, I mean, Air Force, I don't see any reason to see that stopping. We might need to make a trip over to Globe Life, fellas, on November 5th as they play at the home of the Rangers against uh, Army. So that could be fun in a game that's over in two and a half hours so we can get back home and uh, watch the rest of the games that day. (laughs) <laughs> That's right, 90, 90 minute football game. Tell you this, it's the only quality ball being played in that stadium right now. Uh, <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh, lo- uh, love my hometown team, as you can clearly tell. Uh, my my one concern with Air Force, uh, I think their offense is going to be able to replicate that ground game again this season. They've got basically their entire starting five back offensively on the line defensively their secondary got plundered um and and that's what their weakness was last year they survived a barrage against nevada and carson strong and they lost a shootout to utah so if they do have a weakness it's the deep ball and now that they've lost i believe it's three members of that starting secondary last year it might take a little bit of time to get that up uh, up to speed now their their uh, linebacking core is very very solid As Trey, as you kind of alluded to, just being at a service academy, you don't get to recruit like a normal school. You don't get to offer NIL like a normal school or collective, et cetera. Um, You you, you have to rely on truly national recruiters and figuring out who is going to play football for you. Um, So the the fact that that Calhoun and, and company have turned in as consistent a product as they have is nothing short of miraculous. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Garrett, run us through your midfield real quick. You've got Utah State, San Diego State, and Colorado State. Maybe go through all three of those really quickly, and then we'll give our quick hitter thoughts after that. Right. So uh, these teams, I think these are good squads, and these are teams that if things go right for them, you could see them have good seasons. Uh, But there are some concerns as to why I don't think it happens. So starting with Utah State, Logan Bonner at quarterback, he's going to be really good but we got to figure out who he's throwing the ball to, right? There's some promising transfers from the power five level. Um, They should be able to make an impact, but we're just going to have to wait to that uh, for that to kind of, you know, develop some chemistry gel, you know, figure out who's throwing to who Um, they're bringing back all five guys on the offensive line. That should help, right? That's a massive bonus when you're bringing back every single guy up front. Um, And so that should help them get the ball rolling for them. Um, there's talent at every level of the defense, but there's some big experience gaps, right? It almost seems like you bring back one guy who's done it and then the guy right next to him hasn't played. Right. And so there's a lot of that situation on the defense. And that's a bit of a concern for me. The biggest concern I have for Utah state is just the schedule's not in their favor. They're at Bama. They're at BYU. They're at Boise. If everything goes right for him, it feels like their cap right here is nine wins, right? It just feels like they can't get past nine wins, even if everything goes right. Like, they're not going to beat Bama. They're they're not going to beat BYU. You know, I don't think they're beating Boise. And so it, it's a good squad. I just don't think everything lines up for him on the schedule this year. San Diego State, this is another sort of new starting quarterback for the team. I think they've had four in the last four years. So they're going to need to kind of figure out uh, maybe some long-term stability there, but it's not going to be this year. Um, And that new quarterback is coming into a team that finished 115th in passing last year. That that's not a recipe for success. I don't expect them to be extremely good passing the football. They bring in Virginia tech transfer Braxton Burmeister. Uh, The bottom line is they just need better quarterback play. Don't care where it comes from. You need to be able to pass the football. 
Um, the defense, they're really good. They don't really replace that much this year. They're the third best rushing defense last year. They did struggle against the pass. They finished 93rd, but you know, they're able to get physical up front um, and handle that side of it. You combine some transfers with the talent left over from last year, that should be the better side of the ball for the Aztecs. But again, my concern, are they going to be able to throw the football? If I'm a betting guy, I'm saying no. I think this is going to be one of the worst passing attacks that they have. Um, and then Colorado State. The and San Diego issue, State lost the best weapon in college football last year. That is true. Matarazia. The punt guy, yes. Uh, they will massively lose the uh, field position this year. So, uh, you know, less to rely on. Um, and then Colorado State, massive issue here is just turnover. They're implementing brand new systems on both sides of the ball, um, including a brand new offense with the air raid. Uh, they're breaking in a freshman quarterback, not a plus. Uh, but, you know, the air raid, you never know what can happen. Um, there are some guys coming over as well with Norvell, so th- there should be some familiarity there. Um, but ultimately, they're going to need to get that offense going quickly. Um, and also, the new defense, um, they have Freddie Banks. That's their new DC. The defense was bad last year, just flat-out bad. So they needed a change. But again, new system, new personnel, a bunch of player turnover, lots to figure out there. For me, the reason I couldn't put this team any higher – this is probably the biggest wild card in the conference. Maybe one of the bigger wild cards in the whole country. If things go well, this team, or if things go well, they could ruin seasons. Like this is a squad that if things go absolutely perfectly for them, you could see them knock off some of the top teams in the conference and ruin their shot at, you know, an outside shot at a, you know, a New Year's Six Bowl or a shot at the conference championship. But I just think, you know, with Michigan, Washington State on the schedule early, they're not going to be able to get the momentum they want going into conference play. They're also on the road for Air Force, Boise, and San Jose. Um, they should be a good squad, but they're just not going to be great this year. I'm really interested. I'm not saying I disagree, but Utah State and San Diego State combined for 23 wins last year. So you're, you're predicting a lot of turnover in the conference just as a whole with putting them down a peg this year. Yeah, not right. saying I disagree. It's just really really interesting to me and I I love I, I think what Blake Anderson did at Utah State last year was maybe one of the most underrated stories of that college football season he took over a team that went one and five lost their coach and goes 11 and three and wins a conference championship and beats a power five team in a bowl game this is an awesome story it's gonna be tough to repeat that success in year two but for all the reasons you laid out but just an awesome story in San Diego state, like somehow despite their shortcomings the past couple of years has just found ways to win games and found ways to be there in the conference title race at the end. So maybe the race is a little deeper than, than we're setting it out to be, but I I'm excited to see how this plays out. I, I think yeah, I mean, for, I think for Utah state that, turnaround was beyond historic i believe they were the only division one team to ever go from one and 11 to conference title in the next season um i could have that wrong but if it wasn't the only time it's happened it's one of a very very select few outside of right right well and i think the big thing for them last year was they got to get started a little bit easier you know, they, they started the season with Washington State, big dub on the road. You know, they played North Dakota, another big dub. They had Air Force, they won that one. So they got to start, I think, a little bit more in their wheelhouse. You know, this year they start with UConn, but then they go at Alabama. That That's demoralizing. We know the Alabama effect. You know, when you go play Bama the next week, you end up playing so much worse because you're just beat up. I think that goes double for where they're going to be this year. And you know, there's some turnover. There's some things they're going to have to figure out, you know, especially in their receiving core. Uh, they're going to be a good squad. I'm not saying they're not going to be good, right? but I'm not ready to put them in that top tier. Yeah, their cash game last year was, like you said, Washington State. A right. little bit of a step up when you go down to Tuscaloosa to play little bit. Alabama. <laughs> so, uh, Garrett, run us through. Is there any reason for optimism for any of the other teams in the Mountain West? Well, so this is my uh, thanks for playing section. I'm just going to kind of rattle off these teams and why I'm going to go ahead and say thanks for playing. So uh, Wyoming, this team has five returning starters, the whole team, and they went seven and six last year. Thanks for playing. New Mexico, this team 
just doesn't score points. They're probably not going to score at all this year. They were 130th in scoring, 130 qualified. That's the worst offense in scoring last year. They brought back two starters on their offense. Thanks for playing. San Jose State, this team was really bad on offense. They bring in a new quarterback. They're pedestrian on defense. Thanks for playing. UNLV, this team brings back some starters, but it was 11th on offense and 111th on offense and 107th on defense. They were bad pretty much in both statistical categories. Thanks for playing UNLV. Um, Nevada, they only returned their right tackle from last year's offense, and they finished 129th in the run that way. Um, thanks for playing. And they had a terrible defense at Hawaii. That defense was just garbage. Uh, they brought back one starter on that side of the ball as well. So kind of the flip side of what Nevada had. Uh, and for that reason, Hawaii, thanks for playing. Sound, sounds like a lot of these teams could be addition by subtraction, where just by sure necessity, they have to get better. I'm absolutely going to disagree with you on Wyoming. They, okay. they only have five starters from last year, but they have guys on the offensive side like Joshua Cobbs coming back out wide. Now, look, losing Isaiah Nair, who, by the way, I think just tore his ACL at Texas, done for the year. Yeah. Really, really disappointed that we don't get to see yeah. him. Um, they do bring over a, a quarterback from Utah State uh, in just a weird scenario where Levi Summers you know, wins the, the Idaho Potato Bowl and then – immediately after says hey thanks I'm, I'm actually transferring out goes to utah state i think it's andrew peasley is this kid's name he's mm-hmm. been at utah state for the last four years and now he's flipping over to wyoming not an accurate passer but a guy that can throw the deep ball a little bit so wyoming has a good offensive line if they can find a way to score points they had some good transfers come in michigan state easton gibbs is leading that linebacker core Wyoming's kind of a team that's that's near and dear to my heart. I think six, maybe seven wins if everything breaks right. Um, so I'm going to say they don't finish in the cellar. They're not a team that's going to win the conference or even threaten to do that. But uh, I'm going to put a little bit of respect on the Cowboys' name. See, I, I, I'm putting them at the very top of the thanks for playing. Um, they're <laughs> they're going to win some games against the rest of those squads that are just abysmal, right? There's some teams in this conference that just, I mean, come on, New Mexico – you're not you're not good yeah that's, um, that's good. so you know you play enough of those teams you're gonna get some wins you're gonna rack some wins up I just don't think they're gonna be competitive against the the midfield and then the top tier of the conference I just I don't think they, they might win one maybe two of those games but it's gonna be a stretch for them there's just so much new team like there's so many new players on that team sure if you're going to one of these schools to play football I mean the bright side you might not win a lot of games but it is a beautiful place to play oh gorgeous right? like, Laramie, Albuquerque, Hawaii. Did y'all see the uh, post on social media Hawaii put out where there's literally just a massive rainbow encircling yeah. their practice field? So it was incredible. I mean, you got to look for the bright side, right? There, there are some perks to playing for some of these programs. Maybe not in Reno, Nevada, or San Jose, but um, some of these it's, places. Hey, don't don't down the the biggest little town in America. How dare you, sir? Reno is a wonderful spot. Sure, if you like <laughs> Vegas light and not being able to get a flight in there very easily and second-rate casinos, absolutely. Cheap, Look, the fact of the matter sports. is, in the Mountain West Conference, there's some really ugly football being played on some beautiful campuses. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, um, maybe not as beautiful part of the country for some of these teams that we're going to talk about next, but Mitch... You took the lead on our CUSA preview, so run us through as we prepare for the swan song of Conference USA. Yeah, truly the last dance, the last ride, whatever analogy you want to use for CUSA. 30 for 30 coming in about five years. That's that's right. Get them in now. Um, tweet us at 3TechPod what you would what title I told this, you? this last season for Conference USA. Look. It's going to be it, – there's so many unknowns heading into next season, right, with with everybody bailing either for the Sun Belt or for the American, but – They have not officially disbanded. Let me, let me just make that clear, but they might as well have. <laughs> but the writing, the writing is on the wall. There's no doubt. Um, front runners for this season, and what was a very entertaining 2021, and that happened – it really started in my neck of the woods a season ago in San Antonio. So the, the front runners, UTSA, UAB, and Western Kentucky, let's start with the road runners. 
Uh, triangle of toughness. That was the theme last year. Uh, defending the two one zero for UTSA, Jeff Trailer and the Roadrunners, twelve and two was the record en route to a conference USA championship. They nearly went twelve and zero in the regular season, but inexplicably dropped the season finale in Denton to UNT. That was a game that the Mean Green had to win to make a bowl game, and by golly, they got it done. Um, so you know, for the Roadrunners to not only win a conference championship game, but be the darling of you know the national scene. They've only been playing Division One football, football in general, since 2014. So just a, a massive evolution of this program. Jeff Trailer is a high school legend here in the state of Texas. And for him to be at the helm of this program is a really, really big deal. Now, they are losing a lot of production. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. Sincere McCormick, their leading rusher, gone from a year ago. In, though, comes Traylon Smith, who ironically was the, what, second leading rusher? either the leading rusher or the second leading rusher for the Arkansas Razorbacks uh, yeah, last second, season. Uh, basically the co-leading rusher for Arkansas last year. With their quarterback, K.J. Jefferson. So I, I love the, the fit for Traylon Smith. They needed to go get a running back out of the portal, and they honestly got a, a very, very good addition. Frank Harris is the quarterback. Uh, most explosive wide receiving core in the conference comes back. So I really like UTSA's ability to score the football this season. They've got four starters coming back on the offensive line as well, so I think he's going to have time to throw. Now, the defense could be the question mark. They lost key contributors at every phase of that defense from uh, 2021, but their their line did get a boost. They got three-year LSU Tiger Joseph Evans to transfer over. Quentin Pig Cage also comes over from the Tigers. He'll be in quarterback. Um, tall task, though, I will say, to replace Tariq Woolen and Antonio Parks from that secondary last year. Tariq Woolen might have been the fastest player in the entire draft. He got uh, picked by Seattle a season ago. So there are new pieces, new cogs. It's a brutal non-conference schedule, guys. I mean, just unholy things that they have to do at the beginning of the season. They open with Houston. They go to Texas. And then they've got just a bizarre game against Army, uh, against Salute the Troops. But on the road. At the beginning of their schedule, it's it's not a fit. It's going to be odd to prepare for. You know, teams are going to throw the ball all over the yard like Houston and Texas, and all of a sudden you've got to you've got to stop the triple option. So, you know, I've seen people trying to make cases that they start zero and three in this non conference slate. I don't, I don't know that I'm going to go that far. Um, I, I think they can compete with Houston. I don't know if they're going to beat them or not on the road. Texas, we'll see, and then Army they should beat. But again, it's just it's just odd. Um, for their Conference USA competition, their their main rival will be UAB, and I'll talk about them in just a second. They've got to go to, to Birmingham for that one. So certainly if you're going to back up what was a tremendous year from a season ago, there are some real challenges, and it starts with getting just off on the right foot. It, it could be a bumpy ride at the very beginning of this season. Yeah, it, I mean – I could legit see them starting 0-3 and then yeah. reeling off a bunch of wins after that. They they would definitely be the best 0-3 team in the country if they're sitting at 0-3 <laughs> after three games. But yeah. it's just brutal, man. And I, they probably weren't scheduling that when they were expecting to win conference championships or compete for top 25 polls. So that's why it looks like that. But yeah, it's, it's going to be – they've got to be ready right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they're going to have to be good. I think they're going to have an okay shot at knocking off either Houston or Texas. I don't think they get them both, but if you had to make me better right now, I think they win one of those games. I'm not sure which one, but just something about me says this team's going to be way more motivated to play either of these teams than they are going to be to play UTSA. You know, that they've got all that confidence from last year. I just kind of have a good feeling about one of those games. If, if they go to Austin and beat Texas, I'm going to be beyond oh shocked. Gosh, I, I, think, I think they can, oh. I think they could get Houston. I mean, we saw Texas Tech get Houston a season ago, and then Houston reels off 11 straight wins to sure. play Cincinnati in the conference championship. So week one is always dangerous. If you don't have your ducks in a row, it's very, very easy to, to lay an egg and be cold in that opener. Um, but I think their conference schedule is, is, relatively friendly like i said at uab is their main competition i think that's really the the only concern that they have on this schedule gentlemen the get-in price for utsa at 
Texas is uh, $19 if you're interested in making a jaunt down I-35. Just throwing that you out there before we trip. dive into a couple more teams. I that might make that absolute trip. Absolute steal. Absolute steal. Uh, UAB is next up on this list, and UAB was ready to, to challenge uh, again for Conference USA, but Bill Clark has suddenly medically retired from the head coaching game. He's got to have like a spinal fusion, I believe, to just get him out of pain. So um, prayers to uh, to Bill Clark and his family that that recovery and surgery can go well. Um, but it does leave UAB in a bit of a lurch, uh, no doubt. Nine and four season a year ago, close loss to eventual champion UTSA. They did get a bowl win over number 13 BYU, which in our bowl confidence poll or uh, pool that we did last year, I think BYU is one of my top confidence picks and that could not have been further from the truth. So, you know, they had some momentum heading into 2022. Defense is what leads this team, and they should be really strong again. They've got five starters back, including linebacker and edge. This unit only allowed 23 points per game last season, so certainly trending in the right direction. I will say the the offense is going to have to run through their running game. No pun intended here. Multiple returners in a veteran running back room. They ran for over 2,000 yards a season ago to lead the league, and they're going to have to do that again this season. They've got one of the most interesting quarterback battles maybe in the country. Uh, We've heard of two-way battles. We've heard of three-way battles. Gentlemen, let me introduce you to the four-way Blazers quarterback battle. You've got returning starter Dylan Hopkins, Baylor transfer Jacob Zeno, uh, East Mississippi Community College transfer Damon Stewart, shout out uh, Last Chance U, and then returning backup Bryson Lucero. So literally in all the previews that I did, there's a case to be made that any of these four guys comes up and grabs the starting job. Uh, So really, really interested to see where the Blazers go there. Uh, The O-line gave up 35 sacks a season ago. They returned three starters, so they've certainly got to patch that together if they want a more balanced offense. And then their their schedule is tough, to say the least. Liberty, Georgia Southern, LSU are their non-conference games. They've got back-to-back road games against Western Kentucky and FAU before home games against UTSA and UNT. So right in the meat of their schedule is a really difficult four-game stretch. I think if they get sideways at any point, that's why you would see them maybe miss the Conference USA Championship, but I, I think this might be a season where, especially as they head into a new regime, success can be defined outside of wins and losses. There's just so much change in this program suddenly with the loss of Bill Clark that I don't think it's fair to, to fully judge this team based on you know what we see record-wise at the end of the season. Right, yeah. No, on-field success is not the measure for them. Unfortunate situation with the coach, obviously. I'm hoping he's fine, but yeah, you, you're going to have to look for improvement in the games. You're going to want to see, you know, the offensive line do better, right? You're going to want to see, you know, improvement against some of those better teams. I, I want to see how they play against Liberty personally. I think that's going to be one of my, like, have-to-see games because I think that's one where they can be competitive, though I don't probably pick them to win. Um, but, yeah, you just – I would want to see them play more competitively this year and see that they haven't lost the step. Yeah, ditto what you guys said. I – they, they have the talent, if they can put it all together, to definitely be a contender at the top of the conference. But just the intangible things going on definitely might be some speed bumps in the way of that. Trey, you're a closet Hilltoppers fan. Do you remember what their mascot's name is? Oh, gosh. It's it's something really uncomfortable, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that I don't know. I, I don't. I, this is. Oh, I, thought, I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna give know. it to me. But while, while I get into the Western Kentucky preview, if you'll look that up and if it's suitable for air, I'd love to know because I can just picture the red. I believe it is suitable head, for air. I'm yeah, I'm can, seeing big red. Big red. Oh, that's what okay. I've got to. For I don't reason, believe I that was, that's inappropriate. I thought it had something to do with like. I thought he was like a gobbler or something like. <laughs> he might be. Some, something with the word gobble in it was what I was remembering for some reason. But Big Red is the mascot well, if, of Western yeah, Kentucky University. If the FCC comes crashing through y'all's windows, it's it's not for, for that reason. Uh, Hilltopper preview looks like this. You got to replace all the offensive firepower, gentlemen. Like last year, they lit the world on fire. Bailey Zappi, Zach Kitley, they're just throwing the ball all over the yard, like 600 yards every single game. 
that's gone. Uh, Kitley's gone to Tech, back where he was an alum of. Bailey Zappi is taking the Tom Brady route up in New England, um, so expect a couple Super Bowls in his near future, of course. Um, and then maybe one of the weirdest quarterback situations in the country, and they were talking about this on Sports Radio Today, Jarrett Dagey, after saying last year, I remember where I was sitting when he said, I'm a Mountaineer for life, I'd never leave this program. Well, he left the program. He went from West Virginia to Western Kentucky to battle another quarterback from West Florida. So if you're looking for geographical puns, may I give you the Hilltoppers. Unfortunately, though, Jarrett Nagy <laughs> was informed that he was not winning the starting job, and so he quit. He's entered the transfer portal. He's going somewhere else. And so that means that D2 quarterback Austin Reed, coming over from West Florida, will be the starting quarterback. Now, gentlemen, do you know what the mascot of the University of West Florida is? Big blue? A lot of silence. Not not big blue. some sort of snake? It's not. The Argonauts. The West Florida Argonauts. Argonauts. Wow. Shout out. Shout out Division II Athletics. Oh, West Florida is special. Or the CFL. I, I tell you what, their golf program, very, very salty, but that's a different story. Uh, the So anyway, Austin Austin Reed, very, very good uh, at, at West Florida season ago. Fits right in with this team um, and has been kind of just bequeathed the starting job because Jarrett Nagy quit on the team. So uh, look for Austin Reed uh, there with the Hilltoppers. Offensive line only returns two starters, so protecting Austin is a little bit of a concern. No doubt about that. A lot more questions and answers there. The, the Hilltoppers were bad on defense for the first half of the season and then kind of kicked it into gear down the stretch. Uh, they o- Over the last couple of years, they've been improving that defense, but it was really tough there in the first half of the season. They got better down the stretch. Still, by the end of the year, we're almost allowing 30 points a game. So that needs to improve. Two fun games in the non-conference. They play Hawaii at Hawaii and at Indiana to start. They do have decent home road splits, so I'm excited to, to see how they defend uh, their home field. They're at UTSA, though, to start October, but then return home against UAB. If they can return to any sort of offensive form, 8-9 wins is certainly in the cards. They're going to need to, quote-unquote, upset UTSA or UAB to, to be right there for a conference championship, but compared with the rest of the division, as long as they're explosive on offense, I still like their chances. That it's yes. a pretty big if. Sure. They, yeah, and I mean, I mean, they've done a great job of finding talent from lower level divisions before, right? Like Bailey Zappi <laughs> came up from the FCS, like you said, and I mean, I'm looking at their schedule, and it no no team on there really scares me, other than making the trip to UTSA, right? Yeah. Um, sure. when your Power Five games are Indiana and Auburn. Not two teams that we're necessarily high on as a podcast. And, that could be and a chance Auburn, to make yeah, it late. Auburn late in the year. Auburn might have given up by November 19th. Positive. They might have yeah. a new coach. Yeah. And so I don't know. I could see I could see them going on a little run this year. They also play the first game of the college football season. So if you are just champing at the bit like we are, the first real college football that you will get to see is Austin P making a trip to Bowling Green, Kentucky to take on uh, the Hilltoppers 11 a.m. Central time on CBS SN on August 27th. So <laughs> shout out, set shout your out alarms accordingly. Yeah, shout, shout out the governors. That might be the only mention that they get on a major college football preview uh, this season. But shout out You're Austin welcome. Uh, Trey, you want me to run down the, the midfield real quick and then we can hit some comments? Absolutely. Go through some really interesting Texas teams in this midfield right here. Yes, absolutely. So the midfield for for Conference USA, UTEP, Rice, FAU, and North Texas. Uh, UTEP, Dana Dimel, tell you what, he got UTEP to their first bowl game since 2014 last year. And for most people, it came out of absolutely nowhere. Gavin Hardison was the quarterback, threw for over 3,200 yards. I will say he needs new playmakers this year to emerge. Jacob Cowing, who was kind of the heartthrob of that UTEP offense a season ago. He's gone to Arizona. Guys, they led the entire country in plays of 40-plus yards last season. They had 25 of them, which blew my mind. Uh, It was a very explosive offense a season ago. So 
if they can find some wide receivers again this season, I tell you what, UTEP could certainly jump up and get some people. I've seen previews as high on them as nine wins this season. Uh, optimistic on the production at the line of scrimmage, both offensive and offensively and defensively. The guy to know on defense is Praise Awuma uh, Wale. Certainly a NFL-type talent there for the Miners. So I'm excited to see what UTEP does. They need to take some strides defensively to, to really reach that next level and actually contend for a conference championship. But the offense should still be pretty good. Rice made a giant leap forward last year, uh, and that's only by going 4-8. and eight. They were a couple of possessions within six or seven wins last season. They legitimately could have been a bowl team. Just couldn't quite get it done. But I truly do believe in Mike Bloomgren. He's actually recruiting really, really well for Rice with all the academic standards and it being kind of the the snubbed program down in Houston, especially with all the, the success that the Cougars have had. They do need to find their quarterback. Wiley Green and TJ McMahon are the two options there. And uh, they've got solid weapons out wide. They really just need a guy to throw the football. Dylan McCaffrey, a name that I have not heard in a long time, is a wide receiver down there now. He made the, the transition over from quarterback, did not win that battle, said, you know what? coach i'm a team player put me out wide and now he's pa- uh, catching passes defense though atrocious last year uh they do have 10 10 returning starters so you hope they all take a step forward and improve i think they can get to six wins i think a bowl a bowl game is absolutely possible this season fau another team that needs to get to a bowl game they are five and seven in the last two seasons under willie taggart uh, they need a they need a better offense. They've only scored 25 points a game uh, as an average the last two seasons. Nikosi Perry, guy that I, I haven't thought about in a little bit, transferred over from Miami. He and 11 other starters are returning, so they've got some potential there. Uh, and they've got key transfers from Nebraska and Rutgers at halfback and on the offensive line. So, tell you what, this FAU D, uh, offense could could kind of return to to Lane Kiffin uh, type numbers, and if they do, a bowl game absolutely well within their reach. It would be the first time in three seasons that they've made it to a bowl game. And then UNT, North Texas, up in Denton. Grant Gannell, former five-star quarterback, has been all around the block, went to Arizona, well, first was committed to Texas A&M, then went to Arizona, then went to Memphis, and now he's back home here in Denton. Just a short trip up I-35. Him and Austin Ani are battling for the quarterback job there in Denton. I actually have some breaking news, Mitch. Okay. Um, Austin Ani has been named the starting quarterback at UNC right. as of about 10 minutes ago. So, well, for, forget we anything I just said about Grant Gannell because all the previews that I read were absolutely wrong. So congratulations, Austin Ani. Uh, I think this is your 18th season in major college football. Um, you know, would love to see you right off into the sunset and collect that pension check after the end of the year. So Bottom line, this offense needs to improve in the passing game. They threw for a whopping 197 yards per game last season, which, guys, if you do the math, is only averaging 100 more yards than Air Force did (laughs) through the air. So not a vote of confidence for the Mean Green. I will say, though, and this is a team that I've studied quite a bit, their running backs, if they can stay healthy, might be one of the best running back stables in the group of five. They've also got a bunch of talented wide receivers. On defense, Phil Bennett, uh, legendary defensive coordinator Phil Bennett is uh, coaching there. In one season, he improved their defensive production by 13 points. So they went from allowing almost uh, 40 points a game down to about 27 points a game. So still you know, a, a fair number of points defensively, but they're improving. They do have to replace the Murphy brothers who both transferred to UCLA, Gabe, and uh, I'm forgetting the other guy's name. My, my apologies to the Murphy twins. Uh, Katie Davis, though, captain that defense. He's back, entered the portal. Grayson, Grayson Murphy, didn't forget you. Uh, Katie Davis did enter the portal, sniffed around, talked to a couple of schools, decided to come back to Denton for his last season. I'm looking at seven wins for UNT if everything goes right. Let's go. I I would love that for UNT. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think Rice, to me, is the most interesting team in this group. I really like what they have going on down in Houston. They're always going to have a tough non-conference schedule because they seem to just want to get all the paychecks to come to mm-hmm. these amazing teams. But I don't know. They, they were so close last year like you mentioned they lose overtime games on back-to-back weeks uh to um 
a couple conference mates. I think Charlotte and Charlotte and Marshall. Marshall, yeah. So flip those games and they're in a bowl game. So I, I really am excited to see if the Owls can take that next step this year. Yeah, I was going to say that my exciting thing here was UNT with the possibility of Grant Gannell thrown to some possibly really talented guys. But since that's not happening, I'm talking about <laughs> UTEP. Um, you know, UTEP, I think the the possibility for the explosiveness, right? They're, they're just kind of a fun team to watch. If they can continue being explosive, I'm excited about this team. I think that this team might be a little underrated right now. Um, they're a really good squad, and I think they're going to keep being really good. Yeah, I would I would love to see them run it back this oh, year. Yeah. My I-, I discovered my favorite college football account on Twitter because of UTEP last year, the Sickos Committee. Um, they were <laughs> all on board the UTEP Bullbound Express, and that's how I found them. So I will always love UTEP for that. <laughs> hey, they're fun. Uh, Mitch, they're say fun it again. Yeah, absolutely. So, Mitch, run us through uh, the last uh, little tier of Conference USA, and we will call it a night. Yeah, so the there's always next season group. Uh, Garrett was so polite with the thanks for playing group with the Mountain West. I'm going to be... <laughs> I'm going to be a little bit more courteous here, but four teams to round it out, Charlotte, Mid-Tennessee State, Louisiana Tech, and FIU. Charlotte, I, I love Will Healy. I, I think he's doing some good things in a really cool city uh, with a cool you know, program. The 49ers, I think, are, are on the up and up, but the last two seasons have been disappointing. They went to a bowl game his first year, 7-11 and since then. They're going to have an explosive offense, but the defense is so bad they were 13th in run defense in the conference and 14th in pass efficiency defense so second to last and dead last that's just not a winning winning combination no real uh, reason to believe that they they improve markedly this season mid-tennessee state it's a gamble putting them down here because uh, brent stockstill's group has made the postseason in six of the last seven years but they're just missing so much production. It very similarly to what Garrett was saying about a couple Mountain West teams, they just lose so many guys. The trenches, especially, I think they've got one returner on the offensive line. Um, their front seven defensively is 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 really solid, but the secondary was raided by the portal. They just lost guys left, right, and center. So you combine not really knowing what you have as far as running the ball and protecting your quarterback with not being able to stop the pass in a pass happy league. I don't know that I'm buying stock in the Blue Raiders this season. La Tech is an interesting group because they always seem to have some some really fun seasons in Ruston. Sonny Cumbie leaves Texas Tech to go uh, take over that program. And, you know, I, I think after getting rid of Skip Holtz, who had been there for a while, I think it's a cool fresh start for, for La Tech, but they're looking for their QB one first and foremost. Uh, Parker McNeil follows Cumbie over from Texas Tech. Matthew Downing, a name you might remember from his TCU days, is there as well. The defense was just so bad last season, and again, not much reason to believe that they take a step forward. So I'm going to say they went three and nine last year. Three and nine, four and eight feels about right in year one for Sonny Cumbie, and then FIU guys. It's it's a bleak scene. For the Panthers of Florida International, so bleak, in fact, that popular NCAA 14 mod, College Football Revamped, is removing them from the game in order to put in James Madison, the former FCS program. So if that doesn't tell you what you need to know about Florida International, I don't know what does. They're not good offensively. They're not going to stop you. Uh, This team might only win two games this season. Hey, put some respect on that James Madison squad, though, okay? I love James Madison. They're going to push out a lot of teams, okay? It's just tough when when you have to be the program that's pushed out of a right. video game. Yeah, by no, I totally team. get it. That's that's tough. Man, that I just can't imagine being a fan of a team that gets booted from NCAA. <laughs> I, just, uh, I, I, I just am trying to put myself in their shoes, and I don't want to, so... FIU fans, maybe you have a pro team that you root for or a secondary college team. You can find that out. Uh, maybe you listen to this show and you can latch onto a team that your preview was. Uh, you heard an interesting preview on this show. But yeah, please don't subject yourselves to the torment of following your team very devotedly this year. Well, gentlemen, we uh, are done with previews. 
we That's have it. gone through the entire Power Five. We've gone through Notre Dame and BYU and all of the G5 except for the MAC. We will uh, finish that up on an episode that's going to release tomorrow um, with Mitch and a couple of special guests. So I know you guys are going to like that, especially if you're like us and love flipping on ESPN on a Tuesday night in November and seeing mm-hmm. teams from America's heartland battling it out in maybe sub-freezing temperatures, maybe some weird weather, maybe something strange will go on on those Tuesday night games. Oh, yeah. You can absolutely be guaranteed of it. But, yeah, guys, as we – Go ahead, man. Just a real, real quick reason to tune in. AJ knows everything about the Mac. He's awesome. he's uh, an Ohio native, born and bred. Um, I believe he went to Bowling Green, or yeah, Bowling Green. Um, listen in. He he knows everything about it. Was very well spoken. Uh, gives you stats, figures, quarterback battles, depth charts. I mean, it, it truly was a uh, demonstration of just how well he knows the conference and how much he loves it too. Right. I mean, that's what he does for a living. And it was a blast talking to him for about 45 minutes on, uh, on some action. So yeah, tune in. If you've, uh, if you're listening to this episode, when it drops, wait one more day, if you're finding us a little bit later, um, it's the next one in the queue. So get ready for some action. Awesome. Can't wait to hear that Mitch guys, as we close this out, do y'all have just any kind of all encompassing thoughts as we close out preview season and get into the actual season uh my thought is i'm ready to stop talking i'm ready to start watching some football Absolutely. I'm, I'm done speculating i'm done thinking about it i just want to see it happen get to watch the games and uh hopefully like you kind of teased at the beginning get to watch some of them with our fans we're ready to hit some guys in another uniform we're ready to oh yeah do all that stuff so absolutely <laughs> what about you mitch <laughs> Yeah, I, I'd, I'd say the exact same thing. Just ready. You know, it, it's felt like this off season has been one of the most dramatic and longest off seasons in recent memory with all the changes. Um, you know, you got a lot of people that are hanging from the rafters and, and yelling at the top of their lungs that everything is not fine and college football is dying. And I've certainly been in that camp at, at times that some of these changes might not be for the better health of the sport. That being said, though, we get to put all of that aside in, in what, like 10 days from the time of this recording to uh, to watch football. And I, I think that's just going to be kind of the healing ointment, the, the the magic waters that we get dipped in that, that just reminds us, hey, you know what? Everything's going to be OK. When we see Austin P in Western Kentucky taking the field at 11 a.m. on August 27th, all will be right in the world. All will be Absolute, right. Absolutely. Well, guys, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you for hanging out with us. Thank you for listening. Um, do follow us on social media at 3TechPod on Twitter and Instagram. Send us a message. Let us know where you're listening to. Write in at 3TechPod at gmail.com. And as always, we ask you to subscribe on your podcast app of choice and leave us a five-star review so that we can continue this journey, continue climbing up the ranks of the college football podcasts that are out in that space. Well, that's all we have tonight, guys. For Mitch Mason and Garrett Turney, I'm Trey Reeves. We'll see you later.